It's the criminal code of the underworld and a sacred vow of silence. But what happens when a criminal turns witness against his own? MCD presents Omerta, a live show with me, Nicola Talent, in association with Crime World on April 27th in the Olympia Theatre Dublin. Tickets on sale now at ticketmaster.ie. But it was our assessment in Ongarda Shikana that Thomas Kavanagh and his group being brought to justice could impact on, on the threat level in this jurisdiction. I don't think it's by pure chance that, you know, in the last number of years, the level of organised crime murders has actually dropped dramatically. I'm Nicola Talent, and you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. The takedown of Thomas Bomber Kavanagh can be directly linked to a decrease in the gangland murder rate in Ireland. The country's most senior officer fighting organised crime has said. In a documentary to be shown on Virgin Media One on Wednesday night, Detective Chief Superintendent Seamus Boland says the conviction of Kavanagh was the most significant in his 33-year career. Today I'm talking with Irish Sun crime editor Stephen Breen, a contributor on the fall of Bomber Kavanagh, about the Dublin criminal who rose to become the second most important figure in the Kinnahan cartel and who ruled through fear and through murder for decades. This is Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Stephen, that quote, uh, that that uh, interview with Shamey Boland, the detective chief superintendent of the uh, the Garda's National Drug and Organised Crime Bureau, saying that the conviction of Kavanaugh is the most significant in his career, like that's a big thing to say. Um, I would totally agree with it. And also I think that Bomber Kavanaugh, his takedown wasn't given the sort of publicity it should have or it didn't for some reason. People here didn't seem to know or really totally get how important it was. I think it's hugely significant especially when you look at the 80 or so people who are now behind bars in Dublin uh, for their association with the Kinahan cartel. You look at people like Freddie Thompson who's serving life for murder, murder. other people like Eamon Cumberton also serving life for murder. But when you look at the higher echelons and the structure of that criminal organisation where you have people like Daniel Kinahan at the very top, and when the Spanish were investigating Daniel Kinahan way back in 2010, and then the Spanish were working closely with the UK police, they identified Thomas Kavanagh as someone who held equal status. With Daniel Kinahan, we saw from the funeral of David Byrne uh, Thomas Kavanagh standing shoulder to shoulder with Freddie Thompson. But the difference for Kavanagh is he left Ireland in the early noughties. Um, he did become a major target for the Criminal Assets Bureau. But when he moved to the UK, he was an integral part of the Kinahan Cartel's global operation because it gave him the opportunity in the UK to consolidate the organisation's uh, role in terms of arms importation and drug smuggling in the UK. And again, if we fast forward to the announcement that was made in April of this year, where you had uh, the NCA publicly mention Bomber Kavanagh and people like James Mulvey, and for them to mention someone like him in the same breath as Daniel Kinahan, it showed how significant he was. And the fact that he's now languishing in prison uh, has caused massive disruption to the global outreach of the Kinahan crime gang. But 
for people in Ireland, they might not necessarily have known about Boromir Kavanagh because he wasn't like Freddie Thompson. You know, he didn't seek the glare of the publicity. He wasn't hounded by journalists or by photographers. And it's only when he goes to that funeral and he stands there, the Irish Mafia are here in Ireland. And here you have at the centre stage is Boromir Kavanagh baying for blood because his brother-in-law has just been shot dead. Absolutely. And of course, that funeral was in the wake of the Regency Hotel gun attack. David Byrne was the victim. Uh, the Hutch trial is obviously ongoing and is garnering huge publicity at the moment. But going back to that funeral, and Bomber Kavanagh did stand like a godfather of crime. In a way, the Kinahan Mafia, the Bomber Kavanagh's crew, they sort of showed their dark heart that day in their anger, in their abhorrence that they'd been, their power had been challenged. And they were all, of course, dressed in the same, uh, well, the sort of the underlings were all dressed in the same suits. And it was quite a terrifying spectacle, that funeral. I think it reminded me, you know, growing up in the North during the Troubles, it certainly reminded me of like the colour parties that the, you had at Republican paramilitary funerals where you had various paramilitaries uh, all working together, all dressed the same. It was very structured. It was very organised. But when you see that happening in Guineland, they're all wearing the same suits. You have the limos. It also showed, you know, how much money had been spent on that funeral, but it also showed them giving two fingers to society where we're the mafia, we're in Ireland, I'm Bomber Kavanagh, you know, I'm the godfather, we're here and we're not going to tolerate this happening to one of our uh, own members. And it showed with the, the, the numerous violence and the, the numerous murders that happened in the weeks and months after that, how dangerous they were, but it also showed the society that here we have an organisation that is the Irish Mafia and here they are openly displaying their loyalty to one of their members who was killed and they just didn't seem to care and were happy enough to show how much money they had, how much resources they had and for someone like Bomber Kavanagh to stand beside Freddie Thompson and Daniel Kennehan, it showed of their utter contempt for the people of Dublin. And in a way that was his first major mistake in decades, wasn't it? And it was, his brother-in-law was dead. You know, obviously his family were devastated by that murder. Um, and it seems as if he put that business brain that had seen him survive and elude the, the, the law for so long aside. And instead his emotions came in that day. And it was a big, big mistake because... Not only was he front and central, but there was somebody in the back of the crowd that uh, had been a secret weapon, really, here in Ireland for a long time. And, of course, that was Declan Brady. Yeah, I think when you see that funeral, you see Bomber Kavanagh taking centre stage. So, obviously, the killing of David Byrne was personal to him because it was his uh, brother-in-law. You, you see two sides to Bomber Kavanagh. Obviously, in the years before uh, the incident of that the Regency, you have Bomber Kavanagh, who's effectively running the Kinahan uh, Cartel's UK organisation, working closely with people like James Mulvey, being involved in distribution and uh, 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 transport companies, uh, logistics. But then if you go back to Bomber Kavanagh's early criminal career, you know, in, in, in Dublin, 1990, he gets a seven-year sentence for possession of firearms. October 2000, he assaults a female. He threatens to kill a Garda. So, that's the violent aspect of Bomber Kavanagh's criminal career. And I think that is then transported to 2016, where 
He's seen at the funeral in the company of people like Freddie Thompson flexing his muscles and showing that it's not just about his business mind in terms of bringing drugs into the UK and Ireland. This is now about flexing his muscles and seeking revenge. But everybody's looking at Freddie Thompson and other members of the cartel and also with, with Kavanaugh being there, but also photographed there is um, uh, Declan Brady. And that's something you've mentioned before, Nicola, where people are out chasing uh, people like Freddie Thompson, photographers, journalists, but Declan Brady could walk by them in the street. But yet within that uh, organization, Declan Brady plays a key role in terms of bringing weapons and drugs in, into the country. And that's why he has the name Mr. Nobody, because no one knew him. He's just a, a businessman working in, and living in Kildare. But equally, he's very close to Barmer Kavanagh. He grew up with Barmer Kavanagh. And clearly he's someone that is trusted. But I think it was important for the guards as well to see someone like you know, Declan Brady at the funeral because it shows how closely connected he was to someone like Bomber Kavanagh. And of course, that funeral was in February 2016. Within less than a year, in January 2017, there's a raid on a premises in the Green Oak Industrial Estate in uh, Sagart. And uh, the Gardaí discover an arsenal of weapons, but they also arrest Mr. Nobody. Um, and this extraordinary thing happens that, you know, there's documentation there as well. And while there's, you know, there's all sorts of very dangerous weaponry and ammunition found, a piece of paper nearly becomes a smoking gun that leads Gardaí and their UK counterparts in the NCA right to the heart of Bomber Kavanagh's empire and will ultimately, you know, result in his downfall. But the documentary that we've, we've both appeared in, uh, we both appear in on Wednesday night on uh, Virgin Media One, Fall of Bomber Kavanagh, kind of like pieces together this jigsaw and it follows the trail of that that one piece of paper that's found all the way over to, well, to Bomber's door. I think that's the start of his uh, downfall when you have the Garda National Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau uh, swooping on the premises in, in Green Oak. Obviously, it was very important because their priority at that time was the preservation of life because the Kinnahan cartel were waging this, this campaign of, of terror uh, on society, on, on the, the people of Dublin. Lots of people had already lost their lives, 10 people that year. And then when the guards obviously remove those very uh, serious weapons and dangerous weapons from society, it, it's very important because undoubtedly lives have been saved. But of equal importance is what you just mentioned there in terms of the paperwork that was recovered. So it showed the extensive search that the, the Guard of National Drugs and Organised Crime Bureau had undertaken that day. And when they examined Every piece of documentation and paperwork attached to that um, that business premise in, in Green Oak, they establish and un uncover how there are various businesses in the UK which have links um, to the Green Oak Industrialist site. And then that leads them on to a huge investigation in which they work closely with the National Crime Agency in the UK. And, and that's the start of it where... Once that investigation starts and the information and intelligence is passed to the NCA, they then use the full resources that they have available to them to investigate Barmer Kavanagh and they, they quickly unravel uh, the drug distribution network that he and his associates were running. And I think um, later that year in these, maybe the October of 2017, the NCA have their first big success. They um, seize a container in Dover port and in it they find a piece of machinery used for tarmacking but the, the piece of machinery has been completely and utterly altered in order to become 
a storage unit for for transporting drugs. Oh, they make that they make that seizure cocaine cannabis in in Dover, and but when they look at their overall investigation and when they look at the the, the companies attached to the distribution of the machinery that was coming into the UK from Europe, they're able to see that there were 23 other shipments had also taken place. And they they begin to unravel this huge uh, drug distribution network. They also identify it as being similar to the same type of uh, method of transportation of drugs that James Mulvey was using, you know. Tell me a little bit about James Mulvey. Um, He was, was he a cousin of bombers or something that had been caught doing a similar thing maybe 10 years previous. Yeah, so James Mulvey was a very senior figure within uh, drugs in the UK. He was a cousin of uh, Gerard Hatchett Kavanagh. Ah, right. Um, they they were very close, but equally, James Mulvey was very close to the Kennehan cartel. When we look at the, the Criminal Assets Bureau investigation into the Liam Byrne Organised Crime Group in 2016, and their analysis and their results found that Mulvey was even uh, supporting people like uh, Sean McGovern, a very senior figure, where Mulvey was providing cash for uh, McGovern to do up his house, which is now subsequently uh, under the control of, of CAB. And it showed you the links going back even then. But that was so Mulvey started his drug distribution network between 2004 and 2007. But even in that investigation, Bomber Kavanagh's name comes into the mix, but he's not. He's questioned about it, but there's no evidence to bring him before the courts. But once the NCA unravel Mulvey's role within that um, distribution network, Mulvey goes on the run. He's not arrested until 2017 in, in Lithuania. But I think it's interesting that when the NCA were conducting their investigation into Mulvey, they had surveillance on him. They had his phone taps as well. And and Mulvey talks about, you know, his association with Daniel Kinahan, with Liam Burden, with Sean McGovern, and with other senior figures. And he refers to the Kinahan guy as the maddest of them all. He says that uh, he's talking to someone on the phone where he talks about how if they can't get to you, they kill the people you love. And even though Kavanaugh was his cousin, when Hatchet Kavanaugh was murdered, he shows no sympathy towards Kavanaugh because um, he accuses Kavanaugh of, of um, labelling him an informer. So it was all about self-preservation that showed the paranoia within the, the criminal guy as well. But and, and Mulvey is also mentioned in April of this year when, when the announcement is made against the, the Kinnan cartel, the various sanctions. So it shows you the links that he had and the role that he played. How was he the mentioned branch. there, Stephen? So in, the, in the, um, uh, the City Hall announcement in which the sanctions were made against various companies, details of the $5 million, uh, dollar reward were uh, made at that time against the uh, Christy Kinahan, Daniel, and Christopher Junior. Um, at that stage, the NCA also spoke. So you had the DEA, you had you know the the American ambassador, you had very senior law enforcement agencies from around the world. But the NCA also spoke, and they mentioned James Mulvey, and in the context of their investigation in, into Bomber Cabinet. So they mentioned Mulvey in the sense that this has been going on for a very long time, and Mulvey likely was a very senior figure within the organisation's UK branch. And he is someone like Kavanaugh who's now serving a very long prison sentence. And Mulvey slipped the net, but ultimately the investigation centred on him. And I remember there was other people, various other people, some without previous convictions were jailed in relation to that whole uh, distribution network that he was running. But it seemed while he slipped the net, went on the run, but continued to be wanted, 
the one that really slipped the net that time was Bomber. Yeah, at, at that time, because, you know, when we were looking into um, James Mulvey and his role within the organisation and his uh, conviction for this huge uh, cocaine and cannabis importation business, Kavanaugh was mentioned. So even at that time, but that's 2004, 2005. So even at that time, Kavanaugh is only in the UK for a short period of time, but still he's involved and is directly linked to this huge drug dealing uh, network. So it shows you his um, involvement in serious criminality and it shows you how big of a player he was in the UK, even though he'd only been there for a short period of time. The seizure in Dover resulted in some follow-up searches of uh, premises in the UK, industrial premises, similar actually to the one in Green Oak where the weaponry was found. Um, and it also led the, the, the NCA, which is the, the police service of the UK, to the door of two of Kavanaugh's associates, Gary Vickery and Daniel Canning. Uh, and there was another one called Martin Byrne who actually passed away before they came to trial or before they pleaded guilty. But... Um, they, they were arrested at the time. Bomber wasn't. He looked for a period of time as if he was about to slip the net again. But of course, an ongoing investigation into their phones, into documentation, into tracker devices, a very complex investigation, which I think is very comprehensively, uh, you know, described in this documentary that's on on Wednesday. Um, that eventually, all the time, was this sort of looming presence in it of a man called the gaffer. And they eventually, through sort of really hard work, police work, were able to link Kavanaugh as the gaffer. Um, and that's that was, I'm sure they, they, they couldn't, I mean, they, you know, it was hard work, obviously. It wasn't a case of luck, but I'm sure that was a moment of celebration for the NCA as well as the Gardaí. Oh, absolutely. You know, when you look at that investigation, obviously, when they identify Gary Vickery, they also identified Daniel Canning. These are two individuals from Dublin, very like Declan Brady, who have no previous convictions, are under the radar. But crucially, when they make that seizure in, in Dover um, from the plant machinery, they then that then leads them to a warehouse and then their, their properties belonging to Vickery and Canning. They find the phones uh, and they are able to look through the phones, analyse the phones, but they find a photograph in one of those phones of Thomas Kavanagh and uh, Vickery and uh, James Byrne is also in that photograph as well. And Declan Brady is also in the photograph where they're celebrating their successes within the drugs trade and they had a holiday uh, to America. So it was a very crucial piece of information that, but the phones also showed up the text messages to the gaffer and it showed you what the gaffer was demanding, you know, and he was someone not to be messed with. And and that led them to directly to Kavanaugh. And, you know, within days of, of that evidence being obtained by the NCA, they quickly established that it was Thomas Kavanaugh. So the focus then switched to building a huge case that would lead to Kavanaugh being convicted of a huge a multi-million euro uh, drug smuggling operation. I kind of reckoned that Christmas when he went on his holiday into the new year in Mexico and just before he was arrested, which of course was January 2019 in Birmingham Airport on his way back, you'd nearly think that he thought he got, like he thought he had got away. He was celebrating. It was a new year. You know, Vickery and Canning were obviously going down, but they were just surplus to requirements and he would just build up another cell similar you know, he he goes very willingly, obviously, with the with the cops when he's lifted in in Birmingham Airport, doesn't he? And obviously, he's in custody and he hasn't been back out since. Well, 
I think that's another example of the arrogance that and the ego of the senior members of, of this group uh, possess. And it also shows how those people working closely with people like Bomber Kavanaugh, people like Vickery and Canning are expendable. See, they are the people who are hands-on. They are the people doing the dirty work. And they are the people who are taking directions from people like um, Bomber Kavanaugh. And the arrogance living in that lavish mansion, you, you've been there in, in Birmingham, you, you know what it's like. And, you know, living this lavish lifestyle and, and going about his business where he thinks he's untouchable. But I think that video of him being arrested showed how shocked he was, the fact that he'd just come off a flight from Mexico and here he had the NCA waiting for him. And that then, once he was arrested, obviously when the NCA searched his property, they find a stun gun. And that's what ultimately gets him convicted of a three-year sentence for possession of the stun gun. But it's what follows after that in terms of the ongoing investigation in the background in relation to the drugs, which we now know leads to his downfall. And he was arrested while in custody on the stun gun um, conviction and sentence. He was brought out and he was hit with these charges, which were enormous. Um, by the time himself, Vickery and uh, Canning get to court, they plead guilty, which to me is always a bit of a, you know, it seems to be the sensible thing to do because they're literally caught red-handed. I think when they saw the wealth, the weight of uh, evidence against them, it seemed like the more sensible thing to do. It was game over because the the, the, the NCA had been working on this case uh, since 2017. They had built up a huge uh, plethora of uh, various exhibits um uh, evidence, uh, phone site analysis, all sorts of evidence directed against all members of that uh, criminal conspiracy, even an individual in Germany as well. So it was a huge case that had been built up and there was no other avenue for uh, these individuals to go down other than to plead guilty in the hope that it might mitigate them getting shorter sentences. But as we saw, due to the serious nature of that criminal conspiracy, the amount of drugs that were coming into the UK, and remember, only one shipment was caught that was the one in Dover, whereas the NCA had established that there were at least 22, 23 previous shipments had got in. So that's lots of drugs on the streets of, of Ireland and the UK as a result of these individuals. So it, it showed that uh, the case was watertight and there was no other avenue for those um, individuals to go down. And of course, he got 21 years last March in Ipswich Crown Court. Um but the interesting thing about the documentary is while it you know it shows the the road to the downfall of of Kavanaugh, there's interesting commentary by both Matt Horn, the deputy director of the NCA, and Shami Boland from the drugs the Garda's National Drugs and Organised Crime Group, and they talk about the significance of him. And Boland in particular talks about linking the downfall of Bomber Kavanaugh directly to the. Um, you know, the gangland murder rate in this country falling. And, you know, both of us have been working on this crime beat for a long time and throughout these seriously significant years since 2016. And, um, like, there's no doubt about it, but Kavanaugh and people linked to him and meetings he was having in the aftermath of the Regency, he was having meetings with significant players who are now doing time for murder. He was seen as uh, as the hands-on guy here in Ireland in the reaction of the Kinahan cartel to the Regency. He was leading the war against uh, the Hutch family and anyone connected to the Hutch family. But when I think of uh, someone like Thomas Kavanagh, I think of people like Martin O'Rourke and Trevor O'Neill. Martin O'Rourke was murdered by an individual, uh, Glenn Clark, who was working directly for Bomber Kavanagh. 
Glenn Clark was very close to Patrick Keating in West Dublin. Again, another individual who was working under the remit of Barmer Kavanagh. Patrick Keating is now serving a sentence for directing the activities of an organised crime gang. All of those individuals who are now serving time, and if it's for you know murders or attempted murders, like for James Michael Gately as well, Patrick Keating played a role in trying to assassinate him. Yet uh, Emre Arrakis is another one. So I think that's the, the not when you look at the legacy of Barmer Kavanagh. Obviously, he was a senior figure within the Kennethan Crime Group when it came to bringing drugs and weapons into Ireland. But you have to think about the innocent people who have lost their lives. And that includes Martin O'Rourke and Trevor O'Neill in Spain. And it showed you how uh, serious he was when he was involved in the drug trade and running the Kennethan's UK branch. But the role that he played in the feud in terms of working closely with people like Patrick Keating, Freddie Thompson, he took a hands-on role when he was here in Dublin. And obviously, there were meetings taking place in the immediate aftermath of um, David Byrne's killing, where you have Daniel Kennehan being photographed with um, Barmer Cavan. And what are they talking about? They're talking about two, I think, egomaniacs coming together to plan their onslaught against people, uh, to intimidate people, to terrorise you know, various communities in Dublin. And I just think for him to be now off the streets for his hit teams, who were working directly for him as well, now off the streets, it's hugely significant. And because of his arrest and the, the subsequent convictions of people who were working closely with him, the, the streets are a lot safer. That's an interesting observation that there were two egomaniacs that came together because Bomber is quite a complex character. While he was feared and, you know, he terrorised people even who worked for him. And I think probably his motivation to stay within the drugs world was... He didn't need any more money. I mean, he seems to have made his millions multiplied by millions. But was it the power, do you think, that was the drug for him and that feeling of being the godfather-like figure? I think it was the power. And I think we've already mentioned this, but but the arrogance. But he was the, the dawn. When it comes to the, the, the people who are employed with, by the Kinnahan cartel, when you see those individuals... Um, Directly working for him, you know, willing to put their own lives on the line, you know, willing to engage in the murder of other individuals at his behest because the, the feud was personal to him because he had lost his brother-in-law. So obviously because of the reputation that he had built up, you know, over the years in terms of organised crime and drugs. And we even heard it from James Mulvey's own mouth when he, he told how he was convinced that uh, um, Barmer Kavanagh, you know, was uh, the main man in terms of organised crime, was someone who was to be feared, was someone who ruled through terror and intimidation. And that's the sort of uh, reputation that he had built up himself over the years. So, of course, when his brother-in-law is shot dead, he's going to play a key role uh, within the feud. He's going to lead the fight against those he perceived as had harmed him and his family. So it's And in a skewed way, that's the other side of him because he does appear to be a very loving family man at the same time. And, you know, family seems to be everything to him. Family's very important to him. Like like many of these individuals, just like people like Freddie Thompson, you know, family are, is always very important to Barmer Cabinet. But he wasn't thinking about his family when he gets involved in organised crime. Obviously, they've built up a very, you know, wealthy lifestyle over the years because of his involvement in organised crime. But um, even in the midst of the feud, 
um, he's still involved in drug dealing activities and that's what ultimately leads to his downfall. It's not his involvement direct. He's able to direct people to and to recruit people to work for him in terms of targeting individuals as a result of their feud. But he he's not thinking of his family when he's um, engaged in, in this criminal activity. And now he's off the streets for uh, 11 years. His family is, is in disarray and he's not there to protect him anymore either. And But it shows again the arrogance that he's someone who thought he was untouchable because he could engage in this activity. He had people working below him and he thought he wasn't going to get caught. Yeah, it seems to be a bit of a drug in itself, organised crime. There doesn't seem to be ever the right time to pull away from it. There never seems to be enough money. The greed seems to take over. And the end is often inevitable. It's either a bullet in the head or jail. Um, Fall of Bomber Kavanagh is going to be shown on Virgin Media 1 on Wednesday night at 9pm. So I look forward to seeing you uh, telling us more about Kavanagh. Okay, Stephen, thank you so much. Thank you, Nicola. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com, produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Clodamini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. And why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. <laughs>